In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who brings us into His kingdom, into His world, through His love. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Happy Mother's Day. It's a great time of year that we get to spend and we get to celebrate motherhood. We get to celebrate this elemental part of what it means to be a human. If you are a human being, you understand what it is to have a mother. And I can say that with a fair amount of certainty. Because if you didn't have a mother who was there to help you and take care of you, at least in the early part of your life, you probably wouldn't be here. If you didn't have somebody who is there to love you and to take care of you, those of you that are here because you're here for school, you probably would never have gotten this far. Because there's something about love that brings out the best in us. There's something about love that allows us the footing in order for us to move forward in our lives in order for us to do the great things that our, our mothers told us that we could do, even when we thought that they were crazy. Even when our mothers were like, you know, I think you're so special. I think that you're just the greatest person in the world. And they really believed that about you. That allowed you the confidence to get up and to say, alright, I'll take on this world because I know that there's at least one person in my life that thinks that I can do it. And that's my mom. And it's interesting the way that we communicate with our mothers and the way that we relate to them and the relationships that we have with them. And they're certainly not all the same. Some of us have relationships with our mothers that are just fantastic. Some of us have relationships with our mothers that we call them maybe even too much. You know you're out there. And we talk to them, and we share our lives with them, and it's just like everything fits so well. Some of us have strained relationships with our mothers. Some of us have these relationships with our mothers where it becomes much clearer to us what a mother should be, because unfortunately our mother has done some things that maybe she shouldn't have. And that's a reality for many of us as well. And it's a reality for our fathers, and for our brothers, and for our pastors, and for everybody in our life. But there's something so elemental about being loved by somebody, being accepted by somebody, being brought into a place or into a relationship with someone that allows us to move forward in our lives. 
I have kind of an interesting uh, story about my mother. And it's one of those things that I think that if you're an only child, maybe you quite didn't have this experience and maybe you figured out uh, what you meant to your mother in a different way. But I actually found out what I meant to my mother when my little brother was born. Because I was about six and a half years old, and I remember the night really clearly. I was sleeping in the bed with my dad, because my mom was at the hospital. My brother was going to come out premature, and we weren't quite sure that he was even going to live. And so my dad had gone home and uh, had taken a nap with me, and we were just laying there in the bed, and it was late at night. And then all of a sudden there was this phone call, and it woke the both of us up. And he picked up the phone, and uh, there were some words exchanged, and I don't really remember what those were because I was still kind of asleep. But he said, Jay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm going to go be with Mom. And I asked if I could go, and he said, no, you you stay here. And so I said, okay, all right, that's fine. And so I went back to sleep. And I got up the next morning, and my dad was there, and he was having coffee with my grandparents because we were staying at their house because we were back in the States. We weren't in the Philippines where we normally lived. And he was there, and he said, Are you ready to go and see your little brother? And I said, Yeah! (laughs) Because I had no idea what a little brother was. I thought it was like a toy. I thought that um, this was going to be a little human being that would be my slave. He sort of was for a little while, and then he grew up and got a little bit smarter and wouldn't do that anymore. But I had this interesting, interesting experience over the next few days as I saw my little brother for the first time. And my eyes got really wide. And this is all on, on videotape someplace in the world. And my eyes got really wide. And I saw him. And I was like, are you sure? Is that really him? And my dad said, yeah, that's really him. And I was just like, wow, that is a little human being that was inside of my mother. I can't even imagine that at six and a half years old. But I know that he's my brother, and I know that I love him, and I know that my parents love him. But I haven't really seen that in its fullest extent until I see the day when they take him out of the hospital. Because that day, actually, uh, several days later after he was born, because they had to watch him, he was premature. They brought him home. And they carried his his little body. And if he's listening to this sermon a little bit later on on the internet, uh, I hope that he's embarrassed. They carried his little body into my grandparents' house. And they laid him down on the couch... And he slept a lot, like babies do. And I didn't understand that. I thought he should be up and moving around. And I was like, open up your eyes. Come on, man. This is a big time. Like, this is extremely important. Open up your eyes. And my parents were like, don't worry about it. He will. And what I began to realize, in the way that they were treating him, when they brought him back from the hospital... And seeing how much they loved him, I began to realize and to understand how much they loved me. I 
began to see their love mirrored in Him. As they brought Him into their house and into our family. We just read out of the book of Acts a little bit later, and Noah, you did a fantastic job with the names, thank you. Those were tough. We just read in the book of Acts about this woman named Lydia. And this woman named Lydia, she comes from this interesting background. Um, It's interesting the way that Paul is engaging with the people here. And there's a lot of cultural baggage that surrounds this reading. But we know that Paul is now in the city of Philippi. And we know that Philippi is a Roman leading city. Which meant that there were a lot of Romans in the city of Philippi there. And it seems like it was probably just Romans in the city of Philippi because all you needed in those days to have a synagogue, to have a place for Jews to meet, was ten Jewish men. And we know that Paul, from reading the book of Acts, the first place that he always went to was he always went to the synagogue first. He always went to the synagogue so that he could speak to the people that he had a little bit of traction with, that he had a little bit of background with. He could talk about Isaiah and then say, well, there's this Jesus who Isaiah was talking about. And so he would go to the synagogue first, and then after that he would go to the Gentiles. But here we find out that there's no synagogue for him to go to because it's the Sabbath day and he's not going to the synagogue. Instead, he's going to this river that is outside of the city walls. And there you have these few people that are gathered around. Less than ten Jewish males. We know that because otherwise there would have been a synagogue. And they would have called it that. Even if they didn't have a building or anything, they would have called it a synagogue had there been ten Jewish males there. But there weren't. There were probably only a few people there and probably most of them were women. Just like Lydia. Lydia, who actually was a pretty well-to-do lady, she sold purple, which really isn't that big of a job right now. You don't meet very many people and uh, they say, well, you know, I'm a pastor, what do you do? I sell purple. Oh, but it was huge in that day. It was like selling designer clothes. She was this fashion maven of Philippi. And she was outside of these city walls and she was meeting together with these people that called themselves God-fearers. They were people that were not Jews, but they were outside of these city walls because they thought that the stuff that they had heard from their Jewish friends and from all of the books of Isaiah and Genesis and the books of Moses and all of the prophets, they, they, they grabbed onto that. They said, there's something to this. And so they were meeting outside of the city walls on this Sabbath day by the river. And Paul, after searching throughout all of Philippi, goes and he finds these people. And while he's there, he tells them about Jesus. And he tells them about this amazing church where you don't have to be ethnically one way or another that they can be baptized at that very moment, and that they can grab hold of the gift of life that is given in Jesus Christ, 
And he says, you can have this right now. Because God loved you so much that He died on a cross for you to take away all of your sins. And they get baptized. Her and her whole household get baptized. And what's interesting is what happens next. What happens next is that Paul has included them into the family of God. He has brought them home into the family of God. He has brought Lydia and her whole household and anybody else who he baptized there. He has brought them in to the love of God, through the love of God. And then it begins to reciprocate. Because the next thing that Lydia says, if you judge me faithful, just come and stay in my house. There's a really great church name here in Tallahassee. I pass by it from time to time. I don't know what their theology is like, and so I'm not necessarily approving of them, except I really do appreciate their name. Their name is the Come Into the House Ministries. And that has to be coming from Lydia. That has to be where that church name starts. Because that's what Lydia does. She invites Paul and all of the people that are traveling with Paul into her own house. Just as our mothers invited us into our houses as little babies. Just as we know that Christ invites us into His house, into this place, into the place of community with Him and the Father and the Holy Spirit. He invites us into that house. Just as Paul invited Lydia into the house of baptism, and then Lydia reciprocated and invited Paul into her own house, so that they could live and they could talk. Because that's what moms like to do. Isn't it? At least my mom, she can talk my ear off. And there's that sense of community there. There's that sense of that we're really loved for who we are. Lydia might have been a Gentile, but Jesus loved her anyway. Lydia might have had to go outside of the city walls in order to be a God-fearer. But now she was a baptized child of God and she could experience that relationship with Him. That entrance into His house wherever she was. You know, it's interesting. The one time... Really, that uh, motherhood and the church seem to come together is in the picture of what the church is. Time and time again, we have pictures of the church being the mother of Christians. And sometimes she's an imperfect mother. Sometimes she's a mother who maybe doesn't do the right stuff. But she's always our mother. Because it's always the place that we come into that relationship 
with our Lord. It's always the place where we come and we experience that invitation to come into the house. Come into the house of our God. Come into this baptismal relationship that makes you a baptized child of God. It makes every single one of us brothers and sisters to one another. All because of what Jesus did for us in forgiving our sins on the cross. Amen.